Welcome to Consumed, the podcast that stokes conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. I'm Jamie Lewis, and this 18th season, I speak with folks across California, from Santa Barbara to the Bay Area, covering subjects as varied as lab-grown meat and artificial intelligence, food writing and pizza, hot vegan takeout, Santa Rita Hills Pinot Noir, carbon steel skillets, closing the loop on food systems, happy meals, charcuterie, agritourism, and much more. I hope you get to hear all of it. Thanks for listening. Before we jump in, I want to share a few words about our sponsors. Casa du Metz is a boutique winery in Los Alamos celebrating its 12th year in this historic one-horse town. Their attention and motivation is captured by creating aromatic fresh wines that defy expectation. With three brands, Casa du Metz, Clementine Carter, and The Feminist Party, their goal is to highlight the beauty and bounty of Santa Barbara wine country. They have a particular sweet spot for Rhone variety wines sourced from Cool Climate Vineyard Partners in the Santa Rita Hills. Join them for their popular weekly speaker series, monthly wine club vineyard tours, Malibu sessions, and a unique tasting experience where you choose your own wine adventure. Join the discovery with Casa du Metz and their sister business, Babby's Beer Emporium, next door to explore quirky craft beers and bubbles while enjoying dumplings and spicy wings from Dim Sama. 2023 marks their 19th vintage, and they want to celebrate with you. Visit casadumetz.com. For more information. Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life magazine. Since 2010, Slow Life has celebrated the culture of San Luis Obispo with features on the people, influences, products, and businesses that keep the city moving and shaking. For the last eight years, I've written the food column in Slow Life magazine, in which I cover restaurants and food trends here. More and more, I've seen how devoted the magazine's following is. Readers love learning about their community and weaving into the fabric of this very special place. To learn how you can subscribe or get in on the action, visit slowlifemagazine.com. We all know eating fruits and veggies is an important part of staying healthy. Fresh, local produce has the most flavor and nutrition, but how do you know what's in season locally? Become part of the Tally community as a member of the Tally Farms Box Program. Tally grows their produce and partners with other California farmers to include the freshest and best-tasting local produce you can find anywhere. Farming on the Central Coast since 1948, the Tally family created the Tally Farms Box to make healthy eating easy and affordable. Here's how it works. Select which size box you want, then choose pickup or home delivery and how often you want to get your box. It's flexible for customization and vacation holds, and included in all boxes are tested recipes and storage recommendations. Come be a part of Tally's healthy lifestyle. Visit tallyfarmsbox.com and use promo code CONSUMED for $10 off your first box. That's promo code CONSUMED for $10 off. Eat fresh, eat local, and eat lots of California fruits and veggies for better health. Okay, on to the episode. For years, whenever I've driven down California Boulevard in San Luis Obispo, I've stared at a neon sign that reads, Hot Vegan Takeout. It's so fun and blunt and punk rock, and it perfectly encapsulates what's going on in Ziggy's Vegan Takeout. In case you've never eaten there, this is not a hippie, crunchy vegan restaurant. There's definitely a place for those in the world, but this ain't one of them. 
When you walk into Ziggy's, you're immediately hit by the excellent soundtrack, the menu of vegan-friendly traditional foods like burgers, fries, and soft serve, and the extremely young, hip person behind the counter. Or is it just me? Am I just getting older? I don't know. What I do know is Ziggy's is really on to something, and I loved chatting with one of its owners, Matt Martinez, to learn about the restaurant's success and his role in it. Here's Matt Martinez. You have Ziggy's, which is an amazing and very unique place to the Central Coast. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, How on earth did you get started with this style of vegan food? That's a, a definitely a good question. <laughs> there was an evolution there for sure. Um, I I think it goes back to um, before I got into this, I was working in uh, bars, nightclubs, mm-hmm. before that, fine dining. But um, after a lot of years in bars and nightclubs, I really wanted to get away from alcohol. I just yeah. was kind of burnt out on working in that environment. And so... Um, you know, started to think, how could I start a business for myself? Um, and I started to, I wanted it to align with things that I did or wanted to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you know, it was healthy stuff. Like, uh, I thought, I, I thought I wanted to open a juice bar. I did want to, you know, yeah. like juice and acai. I found myself, mm. uh, every day, you know, going to get fresh juice and, yeah. and acai bowls and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, that would, you know, if I owned a place like that, I could have it every I, day. You know, <laughs> then that would be really convenient. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I had no idea how to start a business on my own. Oh, so you'd um, never had a business before? No, no. I mean, I'd managed restaurants and Mm -hmm. bars and it was a a GM at a nightclub. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, so I had a lot of management experience, but never had owned anything. But my business partner, a very good friend of mine, my best friend from high school, uh, Brian England, he owns restaurants up here. And so you know, he knew that I wanted to, to make a move. And so we started to talk a little bit about it. And, um, you know, I guess the conversations just evolved, I guess, over a couple of years. And finally, you know, he encouraged me to, to kind of think bigger and, you know, than just a little juice bar and stuff like mm. that. Um, and we, you know, decided to try something out together, you know, mm-hmm. get into a partnership and, uh, we talked a lot about the how the the concept would look, how it would take shape. We, you know, we ate at a lot of different places around mm-hmm. the country, um, mm-hmm. trying to figure out. You know, we felt at that time, which I guess is twenty eighteen ish, late twenty eighteen, um, early twenty nineteen. Uh, at that time, the vegan movement was it had a lot of momentum. There yeah. were a lot of documentaries coming out. A lot mm-hmm. of attention was on that, and. Um, so we not only, you know, and I wanted to move my own diet in that direction. So too. you were not vegan at that time. No, I'm actually not now. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I'm, and neither am I. No. But I love your food. And I, it's almost like, um, I mean, I just really appreciate any, anybody, not just any restaurant, but anyone who can create something really traditionally appealing like a fried chicken sandwich or a, or a burger, whatever, purely from, you know, raw ingredients that have nothing to do with animals. I, it's unbelievable. It's like magic. So I really respect it, but I don't eat only vegan either. Right. Yeah. So, um, that was, you know, fun. We felt like, you know, we were still taking our best shot, you know, and we could only make our best guess, which is that, you know, 
people wanted to move in that direction, mm-hmm. but it was intimidating and there was a lot of, there's a lot of preconceived ideas about what vegan food or vegan eating is or, who or what a it vegan, looks like. what a, a vegan person looks like. Exactly. Yeah. And so we wanted to make it something approachable, but it mm-hmm. had to be good. You know, yeah. we had to, and we had to like it. So that, you know, took work and we, we took note of a lot of places out there and, and what they were doing and mm-hmm. tried to formulate how that could look in a quick service environment, you know, rather than a, a full sit down restaurant type of setting, which I love, but that was, you know, biting off more than I think we were ready to do at that time. Just, you know, carrying a large staff and uh, investment of, you know, Mm -hmm. the kind of space and the risk involved, you know? So we thought, you know, and with an unproven concept, which the concept hadn't even fully taken shape yet. Even when when we signed the lease for the spot here in slow, uh, we didn't even know, we didn't know what our menu looked like. It was still a (laughs) work in progress. Well, what was, so when Mm -hmm. you were coming up with that concept, Mm -hmm. I mean, what was the concept? Was it, you know, fast vegan, uh, if, what was it exactly? Yeah, I mean, I if guess... You didn't have, what was like your initial, oh, let's start a business, here's what it's going to be? We wanted it to be quick. That was important yeah. because I think, you know, both of us were wanting to eat healthier, mm-hmm. but finding it difficult to do conveniently. Mm-hmm. You know, it was either cook at home or you have to seek out certain restaurants, yep. you know, and it wasn't convenient. We wanted to make it more convenient for ourselves and for mm-hmm. anybody else. We figured there had to be more people like us out there that wanted to eat healthier, mm-hmm. but weren't doing it out of, you know, inconvenience. Yeah. Now you're mm-hmm. saying healthier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I... That's what we thought at the time. <laughs> <laughs> because I, um, I'm thinking of uh, Janine Stone, who was on here once uh, on the podcast, and she was talking about, she's not vegan, or at least she wasn't at the time, but she was introducing some vegan things and starting to um, pass them around the neighborhood. And she said, I mean, if it's vegan, it's basically a salad, right? And I just think that's so mm-hmm. funny because the things that you're selling are not salads. They are hearty, like pub you know, fried food. Definitely. Some of it's fried. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so counterintuitive when you think of vegan food, you are not thinking of what you sell at Ziggy's, which is part of the charm of it and part of why it's probably been so successful. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. It's, um, we tried to kind of toe that line and I'm always trying to think of how can we reach the largest audience possible, mm-hmm. you know? So we wanted to make a lot of approachable food, all the fun stuff, the mm-hmm. fried stuff for someone who's not vegan to just dip their toes in the water, you know, yeah. to ha- for their, we wanted the, someone's first experience eating vegan to, to be a positive one, something yeah. that's familiar and approachable. And, um, so that's, was a main focus in the beginning, mm-hmm. but also knowing that there's a lot of harder core vegans out there who, demand more from their food you know and so you know you have restaurants kind of like ours that existed before us um notably you know one down in la that we went to and they only serve you know impossible meat and fries you know and i just kind of thought i'm like people are going to want more than that like Mm -hmm. the the novelty Mm -hmm. will wear off people are going to want something healthy so we've got to bring more balance to Mm -hmm. our menu Mm -hmm. so that's why we started with offering you know our own house-made veggie patty you know that we make and as well as an impossible meat that's more familiar for a meat eater you know yep right um with the location, did you take Cal Poly into account? 
We did, but to be honest, um, so at the time when my partner and I decided to sign the lease here, I was living in Orange County. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had actually, you know, grown up here to, to a degree. I went to oh, Morro Bay did. High School. Oh, right on. Um, graduated okay. from Morro Bay High School and you know, was here a few years after that. I wasn't born in this area, but I mm-hmm. came over here during high school. I lived here around seven years or something like that. Um, so I wasn't living here. I was living in Orange County at the time. So I was pushing hard to start in Orange County yeah, because that's where my life was at the time. Um, you know, I was had kind of an idea about moving up here, but mm-hmm. was more focused down there. And he, you know, I was looking at spots down there. He was looking at spots up here <laughs> and he found that spot and just was all about it. And I... <laughs> <laughs> just by the looks of it, I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Yeah, dude? right. Like, are you sure? And I didn't go to Cal Poly, so I yeah. never knew what the activity was like in that little yeah. uh, neighborhood. Come to find out, I think, you know. It, it's bananas it, over there. Yeah, I think it, it really worked well for us. And I'm so thankful for the support of, yeah. you know, all the students and everyone around the neighborhood and everyone in town, really. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian is real. I've interviewed him for um, different magazines for stories I've done, and he is extremely successful. And he has concepts that are very uh, niche kind of concepts, like Kuma bowls is just great. I love it. Yeah, I love it too. And then Sylvester's is just. I mean, they're these are very well. Uh, built brands that now have a name for themselves. And I love that he has established things in Los Osos too, which was kind of a, a lot of people just don't even think of Los Osos when they, unless they live there. I'm sorry, Osos people. I just, the food that he has brought to Los Osos has actually attracted people just to come out and eat Mm -hmm. and not just there, but in a number of places, it's a a proven concept. Absolutely. When people are willing to travel, that really says a lot. Yeah. Him and I both love Los Osos. Yeah, you totally. Know, that's where I live. We both lived there when, when you know during high school and bus, yeah. busing over to go to Morro Bay. Yeah. I love Los Osos. And just yesterday, I had people on from uh, Beerwood mm-hmm. who were just lovely. But the food out there is really it's really become its own thing. I need to go thing. eat there. I've had a couple beers out there, but I've been seeing yeah. so many the food is gorgeous. awesome pictures of the food. Yes. I need to get back out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, so the you decide that you're going to take over the spot, which I totally agree, over in that strip mall. It's like, how is this going to work? But it has. It really, it, I almost feel like the location is part of the identity of the place. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. I think... Um, formulating our concept you know we you know it was it's more than just the food it was kind of an attitude too there's an attitude yes have, you know and a little bit of that you know was influenced by um mixing food from different cultures and stuff yeah. like that which i was getting a lot of you know i was eating a lot in southern california la and orange county la is definitely you know some more grittier spots mm-hmm. and uh i really felt that energy that I want, you know, I liked that and I wanted mm-hmm. to bring that up here. And I felt like that spot did uh, lend itself well. Totally. Absolutely to that. You yeah. Know? Gritty is a great mm-hmm. term for what it feels like to be in Ziggy's. But then you have this vegan thing, which is like, I think a lot of people think of it as kind of soft. And so you've got this mishmash of the two and it just really works. I want to know about 
the the food itself. You don't have to give me secrets or anything, but I want to know how you get that chicken. Do you make that in-house? No, that is a product that we buy. Um, I wish we could achieve that. I mean, there it's, are it's, people out yeah, there. That's a, that's a product that we actually purchase. Mm-hmm. So that's someone else has done the legwork for yeah. us on that one. That's a soy-based product. Okay. So, you know, um, it's not, you know... I guess some people who are looking for something super, super natural, that mm-hmm. might not be for them. Some Everyone's got different ideas of what yeah. they like for themselves. You know, that's definitely one of my favorite oh items my on the menu, gosh, though. Oh, gosh, so good. I don't think I go a week without having one of those. It's kind of like wizardry. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, is Okay, so like cheeses and sauces and stuff, is there mm-hmm. a lot of cashew going on in there? Um, so some of those, we experimented with some of uh, like making our own cashew cheeses and stuff mm-hmm. like that. We weren't super successful, so we buy we buy our cheeses as well. There's again brands that have done the legwork for yeah. us. Um, coconut oil is the the base really? on some of the cheeses that we use. We you know use like the Follow Your Heart brand or Violife yeah. brands that are familiar to people out there. Mm-hmm. And again, if you know we going down the road of the cashew cheese thing, we found it was so time consuming, and we again wanted to make our concept for quickness, and we have such a yeah. Find oh, space yeah. to work in there. We just found that, like you, you know, if we try to make everything from scratch, our menu would be a third of what it is now. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so um, we are. It, we're always a work in progress. Yeah. You know. Well, and you talk about making mm-hmm. it accessible, and mm-hmm. um, has to be accessible for you in the kitchen too. Like if it's not possible to make yeah. your own American style vegan cheese, then yeah, you got to buy it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. The price points on everything are also surprising because I. Th- thought given how expensive it is to make vegan food a lot of the time i expected your prices to be higher how do you make that happen well thank you i think you're the first person who has said that <laughs> oh well maybe maybe <laughs> maybe i'm super privileged but i i was expecting it to be like a 20 dollars sandwich well thanks yeah um we that's something that is tough because sorry to interrupt but maybe because i know what goes into making it right that could be why exactly okay and that is that's a kind of a double-edged sword because people who don't know vegan food mm-hmm. or what goes into it or or how or why it is more expensive are kind of, they walk in maybe expecting similar prices to yeah. uh, what they're used to. And so there's a little sticker shock there that yeah. is challenging for us. Um, you know, and I, I, it's hard for me too. Yeah. You know, and the prices, we all know that the prices of everything have gone up lately and inflation yeah. and everything. And we all know those words, but the reality of when I have to tell someone what their meal costs, sometimes yeah. it's kind of like twists a knife a little bit. Mm. I don't want to charge people, you know, what we have to charge, but that's just the reality. You see yeah. so many restaurants going out of business right now, ones that I've loved, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, it's just tough. I think some of those restaurants didn't catch up to mm-hmm. the inflation or the cost, you know, the mm-hmm. rising cost of goods. And it's not just the cost of the food, um, equipment, everything during mm-hmm. COVID shot through the roof. I mean, equipment prices like a refrigerator mm-hmm. shot up like 30%. Oh, and that's, Lord. you know, when you're talking about a $5,000 piece of equipment turning into a, you know, a six or $7,000 piece mm-hmm. of equipment, that's a lot yeah. because those things go bad and people don't understand those things go into mm-hmm. the price of mm-hmm. food as well. You know, um, 
so that's a that's a constant struggle for us. Mm-hmm. I want you know, and we're catering. You know, we're right by the college. Yeah, and a lot of students don't have a ton of money. It's not like yeah. we can just charge whatever we want. Or some of them do, know. though. You're right. You're right. Some, <laughs> some of, them, of them do. Some of them have mom and dad definitely <laughs> loading Pulling up, up in their Audi, which yeah. is always like, oh god, this is a lot. But they're but, out there. Yeah. But there are, but there are many, many, many who cannot afford that so. yeah so that's that's always a tough you know i think all small business owners hate to raise their prices mm-hmm, you know it, mm-hmm. it's painful but uh i had to get over that yeah early you know that was that was a source of you know kind of disagreement between brian and i mm-hmm. you know because he already understood that stuff i didn't you know oh really mm-hmm. so he was like yeah charge what it's mm-hmm. worth and you were like I and i was like there's no way we can do that and yeah and then come to realize we literally have to mm-hmm. do that, you know? Yeah. Well, how much does um, a cheeseburger cost? Um, they, I mean, how much do you charge? They range. I think the cheapest burger at our place is eleven ninety five. Okay. So now if you go down to, this is why I'm saying this. If you go down to um, Libertine, I'm pretty sure that their most basic model cheeseburger is like 14 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's before tipping and all of that. And I'm not, no no discredit to them. I'm just saying that that's, they're not the only ones who are charging that much. What I know is if you're trying to make vegan food, it might be counterintuitive because you think if it's vegan, then it doesn't include meat and meat is so expensive. And therefore why is this sandwich Mm -hmm. so expensive? Well, to make it accessible and something that tastes like what you're accustomed to, Mm -hmm. it is expensive. It is. So yeah, but I mean, $11, Mm -hmm. that's really, if you're going out for a good burger, that's not, that's not a huge leap. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's people would think, you know, oh, meat. It's meat should be more expensive. Yes, you know, but they don't realize. And this is stuff that I learned too going through this process. Is that you know, uh, farmers and you know, mm-hmm. people who are raising cattle and stuff. They're subsidized, you know, know. heavily from the government. Yeah. You know, so you know that's why real you know cow milk is cheaper than oat milk. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and because they can afford to offer it at those cheaper prices. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's tough to kind of get people to understand that we yep. don't try to, we hope that people do. We don't try to educate anyone. We just, no. you know, no, that's something I, I also mm. really like about what you've created is there's no, like there's a place for when you go into say Jamba juice and there's the manifesto of like what they're about and how they started and all that and an explanation. And it's totally appropriate for them and it's effective. Something I really like about Ziggy's is there is no explanation in there. Like, we believe in blah, blah, blah. It's just, and that sign, that neon sign, what is it? Hot vegan vegan takeout. takeout. It is so bold and it just doesn't explain itself. And there's something really appealing about that. Um, And I, as I look around also, I mean, celebrities, they're all vegan. So there's this cachet that comes with it now too. I think that people like to identify that way. Yeah, it was interesting. And like, like I mentioned, you know, there was a lot of momentum uh, in that movement mm-hmm. in, around 2018, 2019. And then um, I think that came to a screeching halt in 2020 mm-hmm. when everyone's attention was soaked up with everything else that was happening, you know, yeah. and all of a sudden there wasn't the focus on the vegan movement anymore. All the documentaries kind of fell by the wayside and the momentum had changed, you know, that just wasn't Mm -hmm. people's focus during that time. I wonder if people Mm -hmm. also, I mean, I don't know about you, but Mm -hmm. March, 2020, we, our family did not know how our finances were going to be. We clamped down. We've never spent so little. It was like, okay, batten the hatches. Who knows what 
April will be like or April of 2021. Mm -hmm. And so maybe the concept of like eating vegan suddenly wasn't the most important thing to a lot of people. I'm guessing. Exactly. You know, I think, yeah, it went from probably a luxury to some people to like their shift, shifted their focus to, you know, just necessity at that point. Yeah. Did you scramble when... I'm, that's a stupid question. What was it like for you when you heard about sh- the first lockdown? We had opened, we opened in late February of 2020. Oh, you did. So it was about <laughs> three sorry. weeks. So it was about three weeks. No, we were scrambling. Oh. Uh, but uh, there was, to me, there was no option of, of stopping or failing. Yeah. Like, like I, if we were allowed to operate, we were going to figure it out, you yeah. know? And yeah, so, yeah. And so being a small takeout restaurant, you know, it may have even played into our hand a little bit because we yeah. were one of the places that was, you know, quote, you know, okay to still operate. You know, yes. they weren't allowing people to sit down in restaurants, which, you know, we didn't, we weren't paying for all this extra space yeah. to seat people that we couldn't see. So that was helpful to have a, you know, a little counter service place. You yeah. Know? Yeah. That you, you could probably only have like three people sit down in the restaurant. Right. Yeah. Um, when did you open the Paso spot? January 1st of 22. Okay. So and, about a year and a half ago. And how has that been going? It's, it's good. Yeah. It's definitely been a slower build than, yeah. than slow. Um, learning about the different challenges for that location. Um, mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with Paso as much. And so, um, you know, there's, I'm still learning, but mm-hmm. it's been building. And so, uh, so we're happy. We're still making yeah. progress there. You know, I think we expected, we had different expectations just based on um, some things you would look at, like the population and it being downtown. Okay, mm-hmm. those things we, one would think are going to make it a, a no-brainer. It turns out that's not the case. There's yeah. a lot more nuance there um, for many different reasons, you know, mm-hmm. that, that we didn't take into account that we're still learning to navigate. But um, we're st- we've gotten a... a a very warm reception from the neighborhood. So, yeah. so we're happy, you know, that all the downtown businesses there are so supportive and, mm-hmm. and, uh, met a lot of really good people there. So yeah. And you offer happy. something completely different than mm-hmm. anybody else down there. We, my husband and I were just walking around Paso maybe two weekends ago. That place is lit up. Mm-hmm. I love walking around there. I mean, I love slow and I'm, I'm loyal to downtown slow, but walking around Paso is, you, one hit after another, yeah. one cool thing after another, things that are not happening here that are happening there that it's like, geez, this is amazing. It is. It's such a cool little downtown area. It is. Definitely. Why did you guys choose that? Um, As opposed to like AG or Pismo or anything. It was, uh, well, that looked specific location, the, the actual building that we're in. Brian had had his eyes on it for a little while. Mm. And so that came available and it was the right price and the right size and everything. And again, like we thought just based on the population and the lack of vegan options in town that those things would play into our hand. So that's mm-hmm. what came about. You know, we had our eyes on South County as well, yeah. which I still do. I love South County. I think it would do great know? there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. South County, Santa Maria and, mm-hmm. you know, everything. But that's, it's a stretch, you know, yeah. like to have to, once you get spread out like that, it's even, it's tough driving back and forth between slow and Paso every day. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. And how has it been getting labor up there as opposed to here? I think of like the, the young guys that serve me at the slow location. 
Um, they look like students probably. So I'm wondering about how you get people for Paso. It is, it is more difficult mm-hmm. there. I was told that by some business owners down there going into it. And I said, okay, well, and then I saw for myself, they were yeah. absolutely right. It is. And I don't know why that mm-hmm. is. Um, there's not a lot to do for someone who's, you know, 19, 20 years totally. old. Totally. Let's say you've graduated from high school in Paso. You know, like there used to be a bowling alley there that we drive mm-hmm. by all the time. We're like, mm-hmm. oh man, that would be really cool if something like that. But there's nothing. Yeah. It's it's wine country tourism, yep. I feel like, yep. you know, and which is awesome. I it lo- is. I yes. love it too, but it's an adult activity yeah. and it's a it's a luxury at yeah. that, you know. So um you have wine country tourism, but you don't have a lot for 19, 20 year olds to do. So there's no reason for them to be around or stay around Mm -hmm. after high school unless they are involved in wine Mm -hmm. or unless they're, well, they can't even drink yet. Yeah. Or, you know, like if, you know, if they're working out on the wineries or something like that, you know, um, or if they grew up, with yeah. one of as a, you know part of a wine family then maybe they, they don't something. they don't need to work you know right, right. so um yeah it's, well it's just not Polly. i mean right. this is Polly mm-hmm. is a huge player absolutely in the slow location speaking of high school so you mm-hmm. left morro bay or osos when was that when did you leave so i lived in los osos until i graduated high school in 96 and hey, then, that's, we're the same age. That's awesome. Right yeah, on. yeah, yeah. And then I uh, lived uh, in Morro Bay until around 2000. And okay. then that's when I went down to Orange County. And it was there in Orange County from 2000 to 2019. How has this area changed since you left? That's hard to say because, you know, when I was here before, I saw it through a young person, like yeah. a kid's eyes, and I didn't see it as an adult. So, Like as a place to live, yeah, right. a destination. So, but coming back here, I came back with such an appreciation mm-hmm. for things that I didn't, I wasn't appreciating as in dumb 18 year old, yeah. 19 yeah, yeah. year old, you know, I was in my own little world at that time and not thinking about how great it is to really live here. And I, I just, I love it. I love all the nature and, you know, yeah. like, um, being able to hike everywhere here is, is awesome. The weather being perfect, yeah. you know? Yeah. What about the culture though? I'm thinking about like, you know, I, I grew up here as well. I grew up in Napomo and graduated high school, graduated AG in 96. Mm-hmm. And, um, at the time, I wouldn't say there was a huge emphasis on um, wine or fine dining or anything along those lines. Huge emphasis on ag, of course. But um, yeah, I, I mean, when I came back in 2004, um, yeah, it it changed, I thought. It steadily grew into more of like a flavor destination. Did you see that when you came back? I guess so. But again, I was so young when I left. You were two in your own world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was so young when I left, I had nothing to compare it to. Yeah. You know? But you did find dining Mm -hmm. in nightclubs and stuff in Southern California. Yes. Any any places that I would recognize? Um, I'm not sure. So uh, I spent, I guess, the first... Fine dining restaurant is no longer there. That was in Fashion Island in, in mm. Newport. It was called Tutto Mare. It was mm-hmm. a fine uh, Italian restaurant. That's where I learned so, so much. Yeah. And that's where I started to, you know, pay attention to what they were doing in the kitchen and mm-hmm. 
taking those things and those ideas and going home and cooking and experimenting with different. I was front of house, but we had an open kitchen, so I got Mm. to see every single station and how they worked and what they did. And they, you know, we, we were all really involved in the process of, you know, every aspect of it. So I learned, I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about food and Italian culture and, and everything. And then working in a fine dining restaurant. So yeah. there, uh, Bayside restaurant in Newport for six years, mm-hmm. which is still there, an amazing place. And then, um, the nightclub Sutra and which mm-hmm. later became time nightclub, which is, mm-hmm. uh, one of the largest, definitely the most popular orange, uh, nightclub in Orange County. Yeah. What What about it? I mean, you say that you were over it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, not those specific spots, but over the nightclub Yeah, it's scene. being surrounded by people, you know, who are really drunk just to be blunt all the time you know Mm -hmm. you know i guess you could say it lowers your vibration whatever it is but our club was so big you know that any given night we would have between 700 and 1300 people in our building you know and it's totally packed and in in that environment um you know there's a lot of fights Mm -hmm. there was you know people would od on drugs Mm -hmm. there was all kinds of bad you're seeing people at their worst really Mm -hmm. for the most part you know and for one thing, it's tough not to get caught up in some of that. Sure. And then another thing, it's just, I started to become desensitized to it. And mm-hmm. I started to f- just recognize that I wasn't feeling good all the time. Probably mm-hmm. a combination of, you know, getting caught up in a little bit mm-hmm. of it. You know, you're around alcohol all the time. You're going to drink. That's yeah. just, yeah, yeah. you know, bartenders do that. And, you know, being in the, that environment. But then seeing all of the other stuff, like it started to feel really bad mm-hmm. all the time. Just mm-hmm. that was the environment I was in. And I, and I started to think bigger picture, like, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going, cause I could go open a bar, mm-hmm. but at that time I felt like that was just another poison. Well, More of the same to, yeah. to, you know, I wanted to leave a better legacy for, mm-hmm. you know, the planet. I wanted to do something to where I felt like I was contributing positively mm-hmm. to the world rather than, like I said, just another poison. Well, you know, mm-hmm. I don't view it that harshly now. Now I yeah. think about, hey, maybe I could open a bar. But I think yeah. enough time has passed. You know, yeah. I don't view it, this, and I definitely wouldn't do it in a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, so you haven't sworn it off necessarily. No, at that time I had, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that I did. Uh, definitely leading a much more healthy lifestyle now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's conducive up here to that too. So, mm-hmm. Well, and sometimes you just have to get out of Dodge mm-hmm. to be able to make better decisions for yourself. I mean, no, no disrespect to people who, um, work in nightclubs their whole lives. In fact, I mean, I really, that's an amazing accomplishment to be able to withstand that all the time. Um, but I can't imagine doing that. A lot of people don't last, you know? Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's too much for a lot of people. Um, when you're in a, alcohol and drug fueled environment mm-hmm. and it's also highly sexually charged like totally. you have the point. so much temptation that it's easy to mishandle it yeah and so a lot of people do so the ones who make it through i'm proud to say i made it through mm-hmm. you know oh, and, for sure you know came out alive you know yeah. and some people uh, fall off real early and yeah. they they just don't handle it well on any on any number of fronts you mm-hmm. know so I got, you know, there's some amazing people that I met. Some of the 
toughest, smartest people that I've met and mm-hmm. that I've worked alongside with that, you know, we'd still go to battle together this day, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. they're all doing their thing. We've all grown up and, you know, all right, we all made it out clean. The, the, one, the ones that mattered, you know, we saw a lot of people come and go, but yeah, you know. Yeah, right on. Well, so Brian, you were best friends in high school. Is that what you said? I mm-hmm. think. Okay. And you stayed in touch all that time? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes more than others. And I guess, uh, you know, especially in the early 2000s, I didn't even get a cell phone until 2002. You yeah. Know? So there were some times, you know, when, you know, we wouldn't talk for probably months or something, but we always yeah. kept in touch. He was doing his thing. He was going to school. Uh, he went to school down in San Diego. Mm. He, and he was married with kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know. Is he a fisherman? Do I remember that right? I don't think. No, he didn't. Oh, no, no. He's not a fisherman. Uh, Kuma, he would contract with different fishermen and and source from them. Yeah, I think he's went out a little bit himself, but it's not his primary thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. Um, And it made a lot of sense to me when he said that he was thinking, I believe he just said, yeah, I'm thinking about opening up a place with my friend. And that was you. And I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that greediness that you get from the nightclub experience, I mean, it definitely translates into what's happening over at the restaurant. I mean, there's a part of that, like we were saying earlier, that comes with the feel of being in there. What was I, when I was in there, there was something so loud playing and it made me so happy. I think it was like rage or something. And I was like, this place is rad. We, so great. I, the music is really important to me. Yes. It's one of the most awkward things to go into a restaurant that has no music. Yeah, I can't even think of one that is like that. Next time you next Subway. time it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> next time it happens, I mean just just sit there with someone mm. with no music. It's I mean, it does it's not a problem for me personally, but I notice it. It's awkward. Yeah. It changes the environment completely, you yeah. know? And yeah. so um, that's always something that was really important to me that we have, that we're pushing out good music and I didn't want to be too controlling when it came to the music. So I give the employees a lot of freedom to play what they want. And sometimes I can't stand it, but, <laughs> but I have to, I have to let some things go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. These, I mean, the kids are really young in there or maybe I think as I get older, they seem younger. Um, but yeah, their choices. I actually was very impressed the last time I was in there. It's like, hey, okay. Mm-hmm. And I told them, yeah, I want them. You know, I, I think our food, like music or art, mm-hmm. should make you feel something. It should make you, yeah, a little uncomfortable. You know, yeah, even. And um, if it's not, if if art is not making you feel something or a little uncomfortable, and or something you can't even describe, then it then it's boring. You know. Yeah. So not everyone is going to like it. Not everyone's going to like the music that is coming out of our place. I get that. But we can't please everyone. Just like our food, we can't please everyone, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's a really, um, that's a pretty bold way to go into a business is understanding we're not going to make everybody happy. We're going to do our own thing, you know, within, you know, taking into account people's um, comfort somewhat, but we're not going to apologize for what we do. I think most businesses, because of how risky it is financially and, and, you know, people's reputations, they can often just try to be everything to everyone to, you know, to garner favor. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And no lie, if I could be, I would be, but in doing that, you don't have the reaction like the, you, you just said. You you wouldn't mm-hmm. come. You wouldn't be sitting here telling me about the music you heard that day if we were just I playing yep. some poppy stuff on the radio that yeah. you hear everywhere else. You know, then it, you wouldn't have noticed anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is a. It's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
when you talk about thinking about going to South County and possibly down to Santa Maria, which is a super cool thought, actually. I feel like Santa Maria could do really well there. Um, it'd be risky. And any, opening anything is risky, yeah. but, um, but I think it could do really well. I think all different locations, from what I've seen, it's, they each have their own personality and the way that they land with a community. Um, but aside from that, I mean, what do you see as next for you? That's a great question. You know, I, the natural thought is to, yeah, to think which, where would we expand to? Um, but the land, the economic landscape mm-hmm. and uh, everything else that's happening in the world makes me real apprehensive to concentrate on growth right mm-hmm. now. You know, uh, labor is uh, something that's been tough to navigate as mm-hmm. well. And I just imagine I can't even think of a third location right now when yeah. I think of it in terms of how would I manage the labor, you know, mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. That's something I didn't bargain for with making the shift from fine dining and nightclubs to a quick service restaurant, Mm. I failed to take into account um, that I was going to have a younger uh, labor force Mm -hmm. and that the mentality is completely different. Yeah. You know, there's not people waiting in line for their jobs like there was at all of the other places that I'd worked, you know, so people were, I was working with professionals before or people Mm -hmm. who were, you know, determined to do everything right so they didn't lose their job. Yeah. It's not that same mentality when you work in a quick service restaurant, which requires a lot more management, you know, and energy spent from management. And so that part makes growth a little bit daunting, you know, Mm -hmm, for sure. The minimum wage is, I mean, I don't know. Do you remember when we were first in restaurants? I mean, minimum wage, I'm pretty sure was like four twenty five, something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's something like that. So to take on another employee is a huge financial investment slash risk. Right. Um, and the price of goods going up, up, up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always amazed when I hear people talk about starting a restaurant, the equipment, the people they hire, all of the admin that goes into it, and all the hoops you have to jump through for the government. Um that they keep opening restaurants, you know, mm-hmm. it's incredible to me. People want to put a stamp on their, on the culinary landscape mm-hmm. of the central coast and beyond. It's amazing, but it's just hats off to you and anybody who decides to open a, a food business. Cause Thank it's you. not for the week. It is not. No, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's actually even toughened me up a little bit more having gone through this process for sure. Yeah. Well, I always ask um, people on the podcast, if it were your last day on earth and you, your eyebrows just went up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Um, And you were like, you know, it's been really great. I've done good work on this planet. I've, I've enjoyed my life. What would you have as your last meal and what would you drink with it and who would be there? And I love knowing that you've never listened to this podcast because you this is all right off the top of your head. Yeah. What would I have for my last meal? Um, yeah, probably sounds funny from a vegan uh, restaurant owner, but I would probably have... A steak. A good steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's your favorite steak from? Ooh, that is tough. Um that is really tough. I've had some some good ones out there. 
I would say, I mean, it would be cliche to say Mastro's, but their steaks are always perfect. Sure. Down yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are good. Um, my girlfriend and I lo- love a place called Craft Steak in Vegas. It's oh, a Tom Colicchio yeah. restaurant. Yes, right. Craft um, with a K, I think, right? I'm not I'm not even sure actually. But yeah. it's I think it's at the MGM. We mm-hmm. go there every time mm-hmm. that we're there. Um so yeah, I'd have uh, steak. Steak and probably have tequila and red wine since it's my last day. You do whatever I'm, I you might want. as well mix them both, right? Yep. And I would definitely have my family there, you know, my yeah. uh, my son, my girlfriend, her mm. kids, my mom, my dad, you know, everybody. Yeah, right on. That's a good answer. Um, and yeah, you know, if it's your last day, you can mix everything up. Tequila, red wine, and you're not having <laughs> yeah. a hangover. You're yep. okay. <laughs> After I told you how bad it is to be around alcohol uh, all the time. No, <laughs> no. I think it's, I mean, this actually plays into the vegan discussion too, is it's good to introduce balance. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to swear off necessarily to introduce balance is a good thing. Definitely. Matt, you're doing such good work. I really appreciate you taking time out of that work to come over and and chat with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That wraps up another episode of the Consumed Podcast. If you like what you've heard here, please like and leave a review. It really does help. And if you want more information about any of the guests on Consumed, you can find a page of notes for each episode at letsgetconsumed.com. You'll also find a sign-up form for the Consume newsletter and contact info for me in case you have comments, compliments, questions, or suggestions for people you think should be on the show. I'm Jamie Lewis. Thanks, as always, for listening.